Welcome to the Knobcast. Thank you for dropping by. This is where we simplify Bitcoin. I'm your host, Mary Victoria, and this podcast is sponsored by Bitnob. Bitnob is an easy-to-use app where you can automatically save, borrow, earn, send, and receive Bitcoin all in one place at the cheapest rates. Download Bitnob, B-I-T-N-O-B, from the Apple App Store or the Google Play Store using the links in the show notes. Or visit the website at bitnob.com. That's B-I-T-N-O-B.com. You can never underestimate the power of Bitcoin. In this episode, you'll hear the real-life experience of Alexandria from Zimbabwe. Zimbabwe is currently going through hyperinflation, international sanctions, strict government control, and unemployment. You'll find it interesting to see how Bitcoin can help alleviate such problems and give the people of Zimbabwe a better chance at life. And if you love this podcast, feel free to send us a boost on Fountain.fm. Fountain.fm is a platform where you can support your favorite podcast by sending Bitcoin via the Lightning Network. To send us a boost, just tap on the Thunderbolt icon next to the podcast name on Fountain.fm. So buckle your seatbelt, subscribe to the podcast, drop a review, and without further ado, let's do the intro. Welcome to the Hi. show. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited too. So do you mind if you can tell us a little bit about yourself so our audience get to know you better? Okay. So my name is Alexandria and I'm from Zimbabwe. Zimbabwe has been hit with about two hyperinflations. Um, so it's been hit by sanctions and all of this occurred um, during my entire life, um, lifespan. So um, being a victim to all these economic challenges, you first of all have to just adjust and one of the ways of adjusting, because the income in Zimbabwe is extremely low. You know, every every school term, um, school terms are around three months in Zimbabwe. You, we have we have teachers striking, and the reason why these teachers are striking is because um, service servants right now are only earning around forty US dollars for an entire month. Yet the cost of living can be around five hundred dollars. In fact, my family spends around a thousand three hundred dollars. Um, per month to and and these are just like very essential products so you can you can imagine that if you're only forty dollars you can't you can't really sustain yourself what ends up happening is that people because they can't um, live off the wages they end up doing a, a lot of these um side hustles or they look for money in the diaspora and i think that's what kind of led to me i was looking for a way to earn income and i first you know as as a normal individual you know as I was, I was finishing from high school, um, I went to work as a, as a waiter. Um, and this person paid me about $10 for the entire month. Actually, in the first three weeks, they said, you're working for free. And then after that, they're going to give you $10 for the entire month of wages. Wow. And yeah, you can imagine what can you do with about $10? You can't do anything at all. Mm-hmm. So you say, okay, you leave the, the labor force. You leave the labor market, which is already has a 90, 95% unemployment rate, right? Mm-hmm. And you look for other opportunities and that's where I came across investing and I came across Bitcoin. What was it about Bitcoin that really captured your attention? Okay so yeah so so remember um, I'm a Zimbabwean and we've experienced two hyperinflations. First of all when I when I was investing at first I was investing in stocks but I always had an interest in actually gold you know I wanted because I knew I understood the central banking system and I understood um, that um, 
the Federal Reserve in the United States is constantly diluting our, our wealth and is enriching everyone else. And one of the ways of protecting your your currency, because remember, Zimbabwe, we're, we're in like our second phase of hyperinflation, right? Or second, second. This, we had the first the, the Zim dollar, which hyperinflated away. I mean, those hundred uh, inflation was uh, was hitting hundred thousand percent every day. Hundred thousand percent! Oh my gosh! Shops could not keep up with the price changes. Inflation hit so bad that your entire bus fare—I mean, your entire wage for the whole year—couldn't cover your bus fare. So people stopped going to work. Right. Wow. Um, it must have it been was, tough. It is, yeah, it is. It is. You, you should see how bad things are. Right now, whenever you get paid in RTG, in the local currency, mm-hmm. the first thing that Zimbabwe, they run to convert their, uh, their local currency into US dollars so that they can use this US dollars as a store of value, you know, to protect themselves, right? Because I think the, one of the biggest things that Zimbabwe's fear is holding on to their local currency. So you can imagine what happened. I mean, this is, the, this is going to be the same thing when the US dollar uh, fails to be a store of value and it keeps hyper, uh, keeps inflating is that individuals will leave their US dollars in order to go to Bitcoin. <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I understood gold. I'm like, okay, um, gold is one of the best things. And then I came, I kept listening to podcasts and these guys were like, yo, Bitcoin is far superior. And I think we should look into the properties of why and why this is kind of how I onshore people in Zimbabwe, basically. Wow, that's really, really interesting. And it's crazy how inflation is just such a huge problem there. Um, so now that you came across Bitcoin and you're an active Bitcoiner, how has that changed your life you know, living in Zimbabwe? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Bitcoin has dramatically changed my life. One thing that also I think that's really important is because most of the times whenever most people um, get into the financial sector, they go for these um, altcoins or shitcoins, right? Or they go for these, they go for Forex, these mm-hmm. high tap preference investments or trading, trading, whatever, right? And they often always lose money, right? Forex has a 97% fail rate, okay? Mm-hmm. And the problem with that is that these guys, when it, it, it puts a big scar on on the financial system and now people have want nothing to do with the financial system True. so the first thing that i have yeah so now um this is what comes kind of interesting is that i found a way of um earning bitcoin but also earning bitcoin for others and this is what kind of allows me to orange build people and get that conversation going to earn for bitcoin so remember i told you that in Zimbabwe, where people earn up to about 40 dollars a month mm-hmm. which is i've managed to earn about maybe about like 800 bucks right and how I'm doing that is like, you know, application like BlockFi, right? You know the application BlockFi? Yeah, I do. And then the Celsius, yeah. Um, these guys, they offer you a $100 reward, basically, or BlockFi is offering $80 reward um, for every account you open. So what I now do is I go to individuals and I say, listen, you open an account and then I deposit 400 bucks into your account and then we share the reward. If these individuals can create up to about 10 or eight accounts, um, what you call it, then we can both earn, basically. So... What ends up happening is that firstly, these guys can, they can now get Bitcoin for themselves because one of the biggest challenges even in Zimbabwe is because remember these guys have no money at all, no savings. You're giving these people the money to to invest in Bitcoin for the first time because some people are genuinely interested about Bitcoin, but they just don't have the finances for it. And then the second part is that um, they're getting to experience what Bitcoin is like. You know, they, um, they're earning Bitcoin for free and um, 
it, it gives them that risk-free, um, like they, they're not taking any risk. That's one of the biggest biggest um, point of view. They're starting off on a on a good on a good note, so not losing any money. They're not risking anything at all, and they get to start off with with and they get experience what Bitcoin is and experience the financial system for themselves instead of having this bad story about how they put put, put money in and they lost fifty percent of the investments in the <laughs> the two or three days, you know. So um, that's kind of the and that's allowed me to earn like way more money than I would have ever earned in Zimbabwe. And this is through Bitcoin, like, um, and this has big um, dramatic effects on my social being. Like, I can now um, go out with um, with my girlfriend or friends or two because I now have dis- disposable income, um, which I could not have earned anywhere else in the financial sector, basically. Wow, that's incredible, and I love how you're helping other people as well. And but, like, what has been the reception of? Bitcoin in Zimbabwe. So when you orange pill people and you tell them about Bitcoin, what's the response like? Do you experience times when people doubt the efficacy of Bitcoin or are people like so wholeheartedly in acceptance of Bitcoin? Okay. Um, yeah. So um, I want to talk, um, can we get into the like um, the Bitcoin standard? Because this is how I kind of orange pill in. Sure, and sure. Please go in. ahead. So yeah, I mean, there, there has been, I remember there has been about um, a few, yeah, a few individuals who just like, okay, yo, Bitcoin uh, is, is a scam. You know, you can't even, you can't even convince these people. They just think it's a scam and oh, it's fake money. And yeah, you have, a, you have with those few individuals where they say it's not real money, you know, because um, the one thing that also, that's very important is that, remember, Zimbabwe is under sanctions. So um, being under sanctions, um, you, you're subject to this thing called, how banks operate is called, um, Bank connection, connection relations. I forgot the exact terminology for that. Okay, and it's basically where, um, whenever you make a payment here, the bank outside of uh, maybe if you're making a payment in Zimbabwe, but you have a bank in, like outside of Zimbabwe, the bank clarifies that payment outside. But now that isn't possible. No banks actually engage in Zimbabwe. No international banks engage in Zimbabwe. In fact, because if you're caught doing business in Zimbabwe, I think it was FBC got fined eighteen million dollars. We're dealing with a sanctioned country. Uh, CBZ got fined $385 million for dealing with sanctioned, with sanctioned um, countries, um, companies inside a sanctioned country. So banks do this thing called de-risking, where they say it's not worth um, doing business and getting fined, these AB fines. So we won't do any businesses. This means that now most Zimbabweans don't get to experience things like credits or um, investing. We can't even buy these financial assets outside. Again, they don't have that... Um, they don't have that experience and they kind of, you, they don't have, they don't even know anything to do with finance because they don't have that kind of exposure. If you look at South Africa, for example, just the country right next to us, you know, mm-hmm. get offered credit. My mom was talking me how she gets offered credit almost every day in the mail, you know. Um, you, you get, you have adverts that are telling you what is your credit rating score, you know. You have, you have access to, if you can like, if you, if you go and get more capital, you can't build wealth. So it's very important um, to be able to get capital in order to allow you to build wealth, but also just that exposure to the financial sectors and stuff. Financial system is dead as well. So of course, some people um, don't know anything about finance and they will be skeptical skeptical about finance. And also the second point is that 80% of Zimbabweans don't have a bank account, okay? Did you <laughs> say 80%? Are, 80% of Zimbabweans are unbanked. That's the highest number I've heard. Like yeah, that's I mean, the highest I've heard ever. 80, that's yeah, huge. It is big. 
And what, what results when there's an 80% un, unbanked um, population is that the infrastructure for banking is also lacking. You know, like if I, when I go to Botswana or South Africa, because we, have, we also live there, um, you see ATMs like almost everywhere and people are just going out to cash ATMs. I, I don't even know when was the last time I saw an ATM in Zimbabwe. The infrastructure for ATM, the bank infrastructure also gets affected because there is no use for it, right? Because people aren't banking with it. So you said there's about, for every one, for every, for every 65,000 people, um, there's one ATM in Zimbabwe. But I think that's way lower because we just don't, the banking system is, we can get into that later. Anyway, so um, the most important thing is um, the response and how I kind of entrepreneur people. Because what I try to do is that I try to show Bitcoin. Um, I try to uh, explain to Bitcoin when I'm entrepreneur people through the Bitcoin standard. And the, the three factors, I used, I used three factors. Um, scalability through time, scalability through um, space, and scalability through scales. Um, you know, you read the Bitcoin standard, right? So the first thing is, um, you remember how scalability through time works, right? If you preserved your wealth in, in fish, within two weeks, it'll be, it'll be off, right? If you preserved your wealth in the local currency, the RTG, <laughs> In one year, you would have lost 700% of your purchasing power, right? Mm -hmm. And if you preserved your, your wealth in US dollars, you would have also lost 40%. Actually, then um, remember, inflation is kind of based on individual aspirations. So if, you, if you're inspired to, to acquire wealth through assets and your assets are like maybe shares or, or Bitcoin, you're experiencing inflation of around 100% to maybe even 900% to 600% in a single year. That's you can't say that's hyperinflation because hyperinflation is um, inflation when when you when you lose about fifty percent of your purchasing purchasing power every month, but it's still very aggressive inflation. So I say that um, I first try to, un to tell people the understanding that the U.S. dollar again, um, because the problem is a lot of people are running to the U.S. dollar, but the U.S. dollar isn't solving the problem. It's just another fiat currency that is just um, bad as a local currency, but. Um, it's just less bad, you know, it's just less evil. Okay. So mm -hmm. the first thing is Bitcoin. If you preserved your money in Bitcoin for the last 10 years, you would have appreciated by 700,000%. But these consequences are of choosing the wrong form of money. So the local currency lost 700% in one year, Bitcoin you would have appreciated by 700,000%. And US dollar again, you also would have lost about 100,000%, 100% of your purchasing power, right? So yeah, scalability through time. Scalability through space is one of the most important factors is because how scalable is your money through um, when you're trying to send your money? And this is where we look at the things of sanctions. So sanctions sanctions are imposed in the United States. They were, they were imposed in 2003, called the Zindara Sanctions. It stands for Zimbabwe Democratic Economic Recovery Act, okay? And when these were imposed, they said, can Zimbabwe first of all appreciate human rights, right? Because Zimbabwe does not appreciate human rights. They lock up journalists. You have journalists disappearing. Mm -hmm. You have female, you have about 17 females being raped. Oh, if wow. you protest, yeah. That's, that's you, terrible. You, it is terrible. If you protest against the government, the last time I think it was about 12 people who got shot and died, right? Oh my God. And yeah. That's and tough. That's really tough. They're saying, I can guarantee you freedom of speech, but I cannot guarantee you freedom after speech <laughs> wow <laughs> that's i mean it i it literally blows my mind how like stringent those the rules are it's just really crazy it is crazy and oh yeah and then one of the reason why the main reason why these things weren't enacted was because um 
Zimbabwe took about 6,000 farms from white farmers. And the way they were taking them again was they were going to these guys' guys' houses, burning them, sending tires, putting burning tires through their windows, beating them. I think people died even in that incident. So, you know, just human rights violations on, on a huge scale. And so remember, um, under international law, if a country is unwilling or unable to protect the citizens, um, other countries um, are allowed to step in, right? So that's where sanctions comes in. There's no act. So the first was human rights violations. Um, second, and then, um, yeah, second was um, uh, these guys have to get out of the, 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 the DC convo, the, the Dominican convo. And the third was, I forgot, right? And then, this, and then those Zendaya sections were also re reimposed again in 2018 because um, the, the current administration, who's the actual dictatorship, right? Um, chased away um, uh, the, the European guys from watching the vote counting. Because remember, these guys would have to cheat the election all the time because if they didn't cheat, they wouldn't, they would know that no one wants them, right? And they don't allow free prayers. There's only one TV station in Zimbabwe. There's only one TV station. Can you see how you have your, um, I believe it's Niger word. What is it called? The, the Hollywood in, in Nigeria? Nollywood. Nollywood. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, can you see all the jobs it creates? Um, because these actors, they're people who are editing the, the thing, recording the video, doing the makeup and all that, and all that stuff, right? All those jobs are gone because of centralization and wanting to control the media. There's only one news outlet and our media channel is entire is just it is it is just the worst <laughs> worst case of like if you ever want to see how bad centralization is and when governments nationalize an industry, just look at Zimbabwe's um media station. Yeah. And also remember these guys wanna they don't want freedom of speech, right? The last time this one newspaper article um, talked against Zimbabwe, talked against the government administration, that the next day that that there was a bombing, there was literally bombing in that in that in that in that news station. It was really bad. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> so um, the Zimbabwe sections were, was imposed and saying, okay, you guys have to first respect human rights, allow free uh, free elections, free and fair elections, um, allow um, free media, and also the problem is um, you have to compensate the white farmers that you took um, from, from these individuals, right? And you also have to give them money as compensation. The problem is um, these guys want $9 billion or even $30 billion. Our GDP, mind you, is only $12 billion. So there's no way we even have the money <laughs> to pay these guys back. So I don't believe sanctions are going anywhere. Mm -hmm. But here's the challenge with that. I remember three sanctions, um, um, what happened was that, actually the history between sanctions was that, and 15 years ago, um, United States realized, I think they believe it was in the Bush administration, they realized that they could isolate one individual from the entire financial system, right? Because 70% of the world's trade is done in US dollars, okay? I remember this from the banking system. So they first realized they can isolate one individual, then they realized they can isolate entire companies and they realize they can isolate entire economies from dealing with United States dollars, right? So um, the United States posed these sanctions and said to the IMF, you can't give, they said to the IMF and World Bank, firstly, you can't give money to Zimbabwe, and then you also can't 
forgives Bobby's debts, right? And then also um, any any of the 59 companies um, that we've listed can't do business. No United States company can do business with those companies that have been listed on sanctions. But remember this thing, there's that thing called de-risking or over-compliance where they just say, we're not even going to risk doing business with any entity in Zimbabwe. And you completely cut off the <laughs> the people from um, um, from the financial system. You isolate this, this economy. Um, sanctions also, they 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 impose um, supply chain disruptions. They, 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 they supply chain disruptions and they, they block trade, right? And this can also cause inflation. Every country that is the United States has imposed sanctions on us is, is experiencing triple digit to, to um, double digit to triple digit inflation, right? Making the cost of living even higher. So remember, this isn't just the United States problem, of course, there's massive corruption in Zimbabwe, but um, this is, this is um, there also is, uh, there is, you can say it's both, both it's not just um, Zimbabwe's fault, but it's also part of the United States problem, okay? And the only reason why that's possible is because 70% of the world's trade is done um, in US dollars and there is no alternative banking system. So it's why, it's why it's important that Bitcoin comes up because if there was an alternative banking system and 70% of the world's trade did not occur in US dollars, then the United States wouldn't have the power to just cut off the entire economy um, of, of people and, and cause inflation in people's lives. Because remember, the, these things have real, real effects. You know, you seeing people earning $40 a, uh, a wage. If you look at this Venezuela, for example, the GDP per capita dropped by 72%. That's the total of having four versions in one depression, you know? Um, sanctions are, are these things where um, uh, one guy in the administration or the Trump or the United States president can just, he can just, he can just believe that. He, he can just unilaterally just say, I want to cripple this entire industry that employs millions or thousands of people because he, um, because of some, um, yeah, for, for valid reasons sometimes. Um, but when you're crippling the entire industry, because I remember one of the things they wanted to do in Venezuela was that they wanted to drop the oil revenue down to zero. That's people's incomes, remember. I understand the sense that you do want to punish um, the bad actors in Zimbabwe because they are bad actors. Mm-hmm. But they really need to understand that they're also people who are, are extremely affected by this. This is the biggest point. In war, starvation, um, degradation of hospitals and schooling systems is prohibited. Mm-hmm. But I'm okay to do that by imposing sanctions. That shouldn't be the case, right? Absolutely. So, yeah. So if we, if Zimbabwe, and even if the Zimbabwean government could understand Bitcoin and how Bitcoin is an alternative banking system that no one can use to discriminate because remember, Bitcoin is pseudonymous. No one knows um, who, um, who is receiving money and stuff, right? Um, we could kind of avoid these things of being subject to um, America saying, okay, no payments will go to, to Zimbabwe, regardless of the consequences of the human lives that will be lost um, through that. You know, hundreds of thousands of people die because of, of this economic war that the United States impose, imposes, imposes on. So that's very, very important. Yeah, so scalability through time is that the United States dollar 
because the United States' post sanctions on Zimbabwe is very difficult to just bring in United States dollars into Zimbabwe. And then also, secondly, it's also hard for Zimbabweans to, um, to what you call it, money out outside of Zimbabwe. Also, no exchange, um, maybe whether it's Bitcoin or shares or most of these other assets will allow you to register if you're from Zimbabwe. You have to lie about your identity or you have to lie about your location, your address and your phone number and say that, you know, not, I'm actually in Zimbabwe or I'm in Nigeria. <laughs> so you don't get any access to financial services. You don't get access. To, you don't get um, capital coming in. And when you don't get capital coming in, um, the, the company sees, um, has a shortage in phone, phone reserves. And this um, creates a, a disequilibrium in the local currency and causing hyperinflation or causing inflation um, in the local country. And when you cause inflation in the local country, what happens is that individuals can't afford um, basic um, schooling or they can't afford basic healthcare. Like I said, you know, our wages, when um, when we experienced this, this second wave of inflation because of the new currency, 700% inflation, our wages went from $500 to $40. You can basically just, just feed yourself but if you can feed yourself, it means for going um, medication for, for simple illnesses that people are now dying from because they can't afford um, this. And that's, that's, that's the second case. So I, I tried to explain to them, okay, this is, this is the second case. Um, scalability through time, scalability through space, um, where this wouldn't be possible with Bitcoin, but it is possible because you're, you're trusting in a centralized system and you're not solving the problem by going from the local currency to the United States dollar because you're only making it stronger, mm -hmm. um, the ability to, to do that. I hope you're enjoying the episode so far. I just wanted to step in and tell you a little bit about saving Bitcoin with BitNob. The minute I started using BitNob, it changed the way I invest in Bitcoin forever. With BitNob, I can create a plan and it automatically invests in Bitcoin for me using the dollar cost average strategy. That's it, nice and easy. Download BitNob, B-I-T-N-O-B, and watch your Bitcoin investments grow. And then the third one, a little bit through scales, where um, money, uh, you need to be able to, to how you can send, you know, you can send less than one cent <laughs> with, with, with Bitcoin, you know? <laughs> and that's, that's very impressive, you know? And yeah. that's not really possible gold or United States dollar. <laughs> and that's mm -hmm. Bitcoin through the Zimbabwe, Bitcoin standard through the Zimbabwe, um, Zimbabwe lens. Woo, that was a lot. Like, I'm just trying to imagine what it's like living there. And just so many things are happening at the same time. You have sanctions from other countries. You have uh, extreme control from the government. You have lack of access to simple financial services on the other end, uh, unemployment, everything happening at the same time in one place. And it's just really crazy that a country like that exists, you know, like, yeah. uh, and because we don't get this kind of information from news or even articles like explained in such detail. Um, and so it never occurs to anyone that there are people out there who are literally bearing the brunt of all these terrible decisions, all these sanctions and everything that's happening. And wow. And I, I see the process, you know, when people are going through things like this and they see like, okay, I used to earn like about $500. And now with this second wave of um, hyperinflation, it's 
dropped to like $40. And then someone talks about Bitcoin. It makes a lot of sense why a lot of people would see Bitcoin as a great um, solution to this huge problem. Um, but like, let's say, for example, um, something happens and Zimbabwe now says, hey, this Bitcoin thing, let's look into it. And they adopt Bitcoin as legal tender, like the way El Salvador did, right? Just from your own point of view, what would Zimbabwe be like if they accepted Bitcoin as legal tender? Yeah, that's that's one of the interesting points because that's the second point I was honored to get into um, how government is actually interfering with things. And this is a very uh, big, big perspective because Bitcoin is um, don't trust verify beyond bank and um yeah and this is one of the biggest points is because right now um account administration uses command chain or command control um mm-hmm. policy where they they try to directly delegate every economic decision uh in Zimbabwe. okay so what i mean by that is that um because of these these big foreign currency reserves shortages and there's also the trying to control and the, the introducing this new, um, what you call it, RT, local Zimbabwean dollar or RTG that no one believes. And remember, hyperinflation could also occur because um, individuals don't don't lose faith in the currency. No one, these guys have not restored the faith in the currency, right? So um, inflation always occurs in Zimbabwe. No one, as soon as people get the RTG, going to silence. What the government tries to do now is that they try to impose what you call it, you, the amount of currency you can get from the bank account, right? So I remember in 2008, you will get equivalent of only getting $2 a day to live off every day. And this means that you, first of all, you wake up at 2 a.m. in the morning, right? Mm-hmm. And then you go wait in a long queue for the entire day, right? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Because there are not many banks available, right? So everybody is yeah, but also, queuing. Yeah, everyone's queuing. So you wait in this long queue for the entire day. It's hot. It's hot sun, with all these people. And I mean, these queues even right now are still there, right? Because they they they're limiting the amount of cash you can receive. So remember, every day you can't. You can only get about two. Well, now it's, it's a bit better, right? But before. You can only get, a, I think right now, maybe you can only get about 20 bucks, right? So every day you have to go back to the same bank account and wait in a long queue to get your own money, not the government's money. It's not that they're giving you money. You're waiting every day to get your own money when you get your RTG from the bank account finally, right? You're then going to sell your RTG to to these, to these what you call it, uh, vendors, these guys and these vendors. And even if you look at the vendors, where do they get this? Um, oh yeah, they're selling your, your RTG for US dollars. But where do these vendors get this money from? Well, they got it from. <laughs> so what happens as well is that there's only one supplier of foreign currencies. Just of, of, one? Yeah, foreign, yeah the, the central bank, right? Mm-hmm. So the central bank says um, you can only buy, you can only get the US dollars if you're buying more than $50,000 worth of US dollars. But that's also, also subject to if you have friends and uh, administration, uh, I mean, in, in Zana PF, right? So what was happening before, yeah, just maybe just maybe a few months from now, was that these guys will sell or, or get the US dollars, 
um yeah they'll get the they'll buy the come with the 50,000 um US dollars they get the RTG that they got it from us right they go buy US dollars at a at a one to 100 100 uh, right and mm-hmm. then they come through mm-hmm. us locals and they sell it to one to 200 so they're making a 100% premium <laughs> wow on top um, of the on top of the dollars top, and this is just through corruption you know <laughs> they make so they they can so they have an incentive to to think for um to to kind of inflate the currency and 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 just this is how bad the current system is right so they're using a, a command economy approach and you can imagine if you have a business where most people even if they have enough money in the bank accounts to buy your products can't access the money right so a lot of businesses just go out because people just don't have the money to even buy your product right mm-hmm. and the second part is um this kind of this, this kind of this the same approach creates inflation there's also the thing of the, the nationalization part of you 107 companies in zimbabwe are nationalized most of those companies make zero profit okay right wow. and they lose so annually we're losing about 300 million dollars through, through this process right and we actually pay and then also the funding is that we pay one billion dollars to the top chefs every year right they make zero profit and they still have to pay a million like every year they pay one billion one billion oh i i thought it was a million oh my gosh (laughs) one billion to the top to the big top to the big top in fact we lose 2.2 billion dollars every year to corruption right one one billion gets lost every 1.4 billion gets lost every year i think when they smuggle gold out the economy right Mm-hmm. And this is possible because remember, these guys, they centralize, they nationalize a company, they put their friends or their relatives, you know, the prisoners, the prisoner has a lot of sons, he puts one of his sons there, and then they just print money, give it to this guy, you know, this guy takes the money and he just runs over the money or he does nothing, he does, does, he does nothing, like even like this is one of the good points where this guy was given $60 million um, to improve the infrastructure for Zimbabwe, right? Mm-hmm. he just takes the money and goes most of Zimbabwe right now don't have power because our cables get stolen and mm-hmm. Zesa has no money to be able to replace the cables remember Zesa is also losing is losing up to half a billion dollars in revenue every year right mm-hmm. so these this thing stems from firstly the reason why this this company can, can be kept afloat is because the government can just keep printing money at the expense of the citizens right because it's not using bitcoin mm-hmm. at the expense of the citizens keep this as a company afloat, which they use to also loot and stuff, right? And then um, and then when it comes to investing and actually building infrastructure, they don't, they don't do that. So like even for my house, for example, you know, we haven't had power for about three months, right? Yeah. Because our kids were stolen and Zesa couldn't even afford to replace it. So these these are big problems. These are big problems that stem from having having a government that can print money to keep these these 170 businesses, uh, uh, 100, yeah, 107 businesses afloat, and they just lose money at the expense of the taxation. Because remember, whenever these guys are printing money, right, they're just diluting um, the wealth of the other industries actually actually producing the wealth itself. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Yeah. So it's only possible because we're not using the Bitcoin standard, right? If it was a Bitcoin standard, Bitcoin is proof of work. You have to produce value in order to obtain Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. Or someone has to mine it first and then some, someone has to buy it from the miner. But they had to produce value into society. Now, because we're using a fiat system, <laughs> you have 
you have controls of the banking system, you have controls of, of 170 um, uh, companies, 107 companies, and um, these companies are failing, completely, completely failing. And I mean, Zimbabwe would have been way better off, you know? So it's like, the first thing is, a lot of these companies wouldn't be existing. The second thing is that people won't be subjects to waiting in queues for their own money because Bitcoin is beyond bank. People could have hard wallets, for example, you know what I mean? Exactly. Right? And still throw the money in thing. For example, one of the good cases of why hard wallet is very, was very important was I went to school, a private school called Gateway. Mm-hmm. And Gateway was keeping about 250,000 US dollars in its safe at the school. Some muggers came in and they used dynamite. They exploded the, 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 the safe at the school and they stole $270,000. Whoa, <laughs> that is crazy. They went to the school and dynamited the place just to get to the money in the safe. I heard Nigeria is kind of, it's kind of it's also on the, the, the crime rate is kind of high, like, like, like this now. Uh, well, I mean, not to that degree. I mean, really? yeah, I mean, yeah. not not to that degree. I, I mean, I have not heard of they've they've like throughout all my stay here, like I've not heard of any bombing. Like it's pretty safe where I'm at. Yes, I know that in the north there there's some like um you know terrorist activities, but like it's not it's not like so bad all around, and it's. I'm sorry. I'm just like so shocked about all these things that I'm hearing. I'm like, how are people living there? So now with Bitcoin, every single person would have access to one, their funds. Um, they don't have to wait in long queues anymore. In fact, if they need to make a transaction with someone, they can easily just you know send Bitcoin to their Bitcoin wallet and it'll be a lot easier and aside from that, I'm saying you wouldn't have these corporations um, still afloat. You know, these nationalized corporations don't make any money. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Like, and then you know, as more people use Bitcoin and they start trading with it, I mean, trading in the sense where maybe they buy commodities with it and all that. More and more people would one create jobs from the, for themselves and two, their standard of living would improve, and it, they could just continue this because they there isn't a centralized government that would be able to control bitcoin like the way the zimbabwean government is controlling um the whole economy and the fiat system there exactly and also like i think you also touched a good point of just even um uh, uh de la Moon, uh, i don't know how to say his name properly he talks about how when people who live in a country that has serious inflation the type preference increases significantly because um, instead of when when you inflate the currency to the point of where your wages go from five hundred dollars to forty dollars, you're no more thinking about um, how can I improve my life. Maybe how can I get a, like a, a good, how can I go to school, or um, what investments can I make? You know, you don't have that disposable income. You're only thinking about surviving today, right? And I I personally experienced that. You know especially when, when our currency was, was on a rapid of inflation, the anxiety that people were feeling, just, just the anxiety, like you, you literally have anxiety every day, but just living in an economy because you're stressing about your, your local currency and the inflation that's going on. Um, but two is that you're worried about how can you survive? You can't afford um, to go to school anymore. You can't afford basic healthcare. You're just thinking, 
um, how can I make enough money to just have a good meal, a decent meal at the end of the day, right? So you go from thinking about low, you go from, you, you start from points of high type purpose um, thinking, instead of thinking from a place of low type purpose thinking of where if your money didn't hide, wasn't faded away, right? And you didn't lose all your savings, like what happened in 2008, where Zimbabwe, um, people in Zimbabwe lost the entire savings, you know? My mm-hmm. father, he lost about $400,000. His, his grandfather, sorry. He lost about $400,000 and he was never okay. He went insane. Wow. Um, yeah. That's um, tough. But yeah, it is. You, you see, they're, they're these big, even social ramifications that I would like to talk to maybe. But yeah, so the main thing is that, okay, now instead of you having maybe disposable income, we're just earning enough to the point of work. You can think, okay, if I have maybe like a earning thousand dollars, for example, and my cost of living is only about five hundred bucks, I can use the rest of the five hundred dollars to get better skills. I can use the rest of the five hundred dollars to invest and in, to invest in financial assets that can improve my 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 standard of living in the future. Right? I can. I have enough time to to maybe do other projects. You know, other work on other projects and stuff, or develop a business. You know, if you don't have any money, you can't start a business. You can't invest. And you can't even educate yourself. So many of my ex-girlfriends and my friends, the right people, A-star students, like just nine A's, 11 A-stars, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I just look, you like, you can see the, the, the stress on their face where their parents just told them, we can't afford you to send you to school. And that's it. They're no more, these are people who could have had a bright future in the future and later on in the future, but they don't because inflated just eroded their income. You now can't afford to send their, their children to school, or they can't afford to go to school. They can't afford to go to university. You know, so people who had a bright future don't have a bright future anymore because of inflation that was created by one, the United States dollar, maybe through sanctions, and two, two through the local government, through the local government, who, <laughs> um, who who keeps printing money so that they can um, <laughs> loot it for themselves, dilute it for themselves and stuff it, it would have been very better i mean life would have been a lot better if we had a currency that's like bitcoin that couldn't be inflated to the point where it fixed every 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 other person and um, it allows people to be low type of thinking instead of just focusing on high type of thinking so i'm curious about one thing though you know in order to get access to Bitcoin, we need to make use of the internet. How is internet accessibility like in Zimbabwe? Oh, it's, it's actually it's actually um, it's actually good. Um, we 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 actually just last thing about two or three years ago, we got we got fiber optic cable being installed okay. through through yeah through most of like almost all of them. It was it was it was done by this company called Econet. And the funny thing about Econet <laughs> is that Econet is a private company. But um, when Econet tried to try to start for ten years, the government would not allow them to to start because the government nationalized um, the telecom industry, and the government was doing a very very bad job, right? So for ten years, they weren't allowing that, right? And then finally, after ten years, I don't know how Econet won the case, and it was finally it was finally allowed. Um, it was finally allowed. Okay, so now when it was finally allowed. It was now it was Econet, Tilasa, and um, Taiwan, which is owned by the government, competing. And Econet um, introduced this thing called Cash App. I mean, EcoCash, right? 
So the important thing about this is that, remember, it's 80% of Zimbabweans were unbanked. Mm-hmm. As soon as he introduced um, EcoCash, where it was mobile banking, right, all those people that are unbanked went straight to Econet. So Zimbabwe is actually ahead when it comes to digital banking. Right, we were one of the first, one of the, I think we we're, were ahead when it came to even people like America and Europe because America, remember, America had a good banking system. So um, they, they, could, they could easily use cash. They could put the money in the things. It was, but with Zimbabwe, because we had no other alternative, we went straight to, um, to EcoCash. But again, Econet was, EcoCash was, was centralized. Uh, it was a centralized system. So when the government wanted to introduce um, the local currency um, and Econet was using US dollars, government forced them to use rtg and you know just again your all the money all your us dollars that was in your in your eco cash right in us dollars was was converted overnight to the local currency you're losing again most of your you're losing most of your power again mm-hmm. your purchasing power so it would have been good if it was lightning network if that was as well that couldn't be interfered with the government instead of something like eco cash that could have been um intervened to the point where people lose their savings again and then they don't trust um, keeping their money in digital or the banks and stuff, you see. But the internet, is it is there. And Econet was the one who provided, who put all the infrastructure. No thanks to the government. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I think that's, a, that's quite a relief. That means it's possible for there to be a quick spread of um, the use of Bitcoin in Zimbabwe because there's access to the internet. And they're already kind of used to digital banking. So I think it would feel normal for them to make use of their Bitcoin wallet on their phone or on the computer. Yeah, but there is a challenge, though. There is one of the biggest challenges. Remember, like I said, sanctions, then no banks, international banks will allow us to, 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 to engage with them. So we can't, so we can't um, register on any exchange. So Buying Bitcoin in Zimbabwe is almost impossible. What I have to do whenever I'm buying Bitcoin is I first have to get my US dollars, right? And then, <laughs> like, I remember, like, okay, I wanted to buy just, just a few hundred dollars worth of Bitcoin. Um, and I wanted to do this last year, November, okay? And I still haven't done this. <laughs> hey, hey, it's me again. Have you heard of the Lightning Network? It's an easy way of making Bitcoin payments faster and cheaper. With BitKnob, you can send and receive any amount of money in Bitcoin across the world. Mm-hmm. You heard that right, across the world, with little or no fees and in seconds. For speedy Bitcoin transactions, choose BitKnob. Download BitKnob, B-I-T-N-O-B, on your favorite app store today. Or visit the website at bitnob.com. That's B-I-T-N-O-B.com. So I first get my US dollars, I got my cash. And then I need to, to find someone who has vans in South Africa, for example, or in a different country, right? So I can give the person the, the US dollars in the local country, Zimbabwe, who then gave me the, the equivalent amount in the foreign country. Now, when I finally get the money in the foreign country, when I find someone who's, who's, who has the money, um, who wants who wants my US dollars here, but has vans that side? When I find when I find find someone who can do the trade, I then create an account on exchange. On this exchange, I'm lying. Remember, I'm lying about my address, my phone number, <laughs> and I'm saying that I'm South African. I got um, whatever whatever it is. 
and I'm also using a VPN to download the application. I can do all the stuff. Um, now I've registered. I've gotten this, and then I've gotten my vans into into the South African account into in South Africa. I need to find someone with a South African bank account who can do the transfer from vans into his bank account into the exchange, right? And then when it's finally in the exchange, then I can buy my Bitcoin. But the problem with that is that now if I want to onboard someone in Zimbabwe, I'm like, yo, Bitcoin is a payment is a better payment system. <laughs> I can't just um I can't like yeah, I can't I can't just say, hey, look at how easy it is for me to convert US dollars fiat currency into Bitcoin. It's, is almost difficult. It's almost impossible. It takes it takes it takes a while, and I can only do most of these transactions because I know people in both South Africa and Zimbabwe. If you don't know people in a foreign country, in a foreign country, it's almost impossible to buy Bitcoin again. You see, so having getting once you have Bitcoin, it is easy to to do Bitcoin transactions. The problem is getting the converting your fiat currency into Bitcoin. So um, that's where because of sanctions. It's, it's kind of like um, prevented a lot of Bitcoin adoption or Bitcoin, future Bitcoin adoption that will occur. So yeah, I'm not a big fan <laughs> of sanctions because of that. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I can imagine how difficult it is, but then what is the process like for you to change your Bitcoin into fiat so you can use it to spend in the local economy? <laughs> So yeah, now it depends. Okay, whether you have a hard wallet, you're transferring it back to the exchange, or the exchange that you're keeping your Bitcoin in. You know, exchanges are also very risky. <laughs> um, yeah. So now, if you have an exchange, um, so if you're if you're using exchange like maybe for BlockFi, you send your your my my Bitcoin from BlockFi to this thing called Luno, I believe, because it allows South Africans. Um, or it is I think it's integrated with the South African um, banking system. I guess I don't know. Um, yeah, send it to Luno. And then from from Luno, um, I myself personally, because the last thing about Luno was that it was my it was my account. But um, when I want to sell my Bitcoin, Luno will now ask me for a bank statement or my banking information, <laughs> um, and I don't have a bank statement, right? Because the challenges with getting a bank statement or having a bank account in South Africa is a long it's a long process. So if I want to set up a bank account in South Africa and I've never been banked, I first have to open a bank account in Zimbabwe. When I open a bank account in Zimbabwe, I have to wait three months and I have a three-month track record of, of, of having this bank. Do a lot of paperwork in order to, to create this bank account first, right? And then when I finally created this bank account in Zimbabwe, I now take that paperwork and I create that to... And what actually is the case is that sometimes they want you to physically be in South Africa to create a South African bank account. So I have to go to South Africa, then make a bank account in South Africa, experience all these charges. And then um, from there, I can I can have a bank statement that I can use to Luna. But because I didn't do that, I'm like, I don't want to be banked. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I prefer a big, big banking system or just these exchanges. Um, I had to use I had to use someone who's in South Africa who has a bank account. And then with their own Luna exchange, I send to their account. He, he, received, he receives my Bitcoin, he sells my Bitcoin because he has proper banking information. Mm-hmm. And then he, when he sells with my Bitcoin, he has it as cash. He then sends it to another account in South Africa or I have to find someone in South Africa who wants vans <laughs> in exchange for US dollars in Zimbabwe. And that can take weeks. So, you know, like that's what I'm saying. I wanted to buy Bitcoin in November. 
I still haven't found uh, someone or the person who I trusted is still still waiting for their money. <laughs> wow, uh, that, that's, a, that's a really long process. But you know what came to so, my mind when I was um, listening to this? It seems like if more people start using Bitcoin in, in Zimbabwe and they start using it as a med- means of exchange, a day will come to the point where you don't even need to get fiat currency. So the goal then is to get as many people to adopt Bitcoin. Yeah, exactly. That's the main goal. If if we didn't have to convert back to into US dollars, then so it would be perfect. You just you just doing your your Bitcoin transactions free instantly. Because remember, also the EcoCash that we the EcoCash system that we used here, the charges man, they're insane. They're really insane. I can imagine the balance they, they charge you. Sending transfers, they're charging you like 5% or 2% for every charge. And then if you want to do international transfers, you lose like 50%. If you're wow. doing, if you, if you, yeah, guys, if you're saving money from South Africa to Zimbabwe, you lose 50%. <laughs> Whoa, imagine that is, that's a lot. Instant, yeah. Imagine lightning that's instant and um, bang, well, um, open source and all that stuff. You see? So <laughs> Bitcoin is perfect because. It involves the problem of sanctions. It involves the problems of remittances. It involves the problems of transfer costs, and um, yeah, and also the government having having telling you when you can take out your own money and stuff. Because cashier is the worst. Because if you having to rely on public transportation, they want you to have physical cash. You can't even have digital cash. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> that means you need to go yeah. and wait in the queue, get wait. money wait. from your bank. And then the whole process again before you have the cash to enter a bus to go to wherever you're going to. And most times these cash shortages, because even times where you can even wait in the queue and they you waited like for the entire day, and then they said there's no more cash, go home. Oh my gosh! <laughs> and you start doing shortages. you do that all over again the next day. The next day. So yeah, this is why. Like remember when I told you that um I, I left I left my girlfriend and this is someone I actually was supposed to get engaged with. Mm-hmm. you know and it was really really hard for me because um she joined the political party that um multiple human rights violations you know just like even just even just one good example is remember 1.5 billion dollars of gold is looted every every year mm-hmm. but on the other hand also 2500 females die every day uh, pregnant females die every year sorry um, because Zimbabwe likes the proper infrastructure to give birth to um, to give birth to I think it was prenatal um, babies I, I believe two thousand five hundred lives lost every year because these guys would rather loot their money and enrich themselves than invest that one point five billion dollars that's made a year and if they invested that for example right that would be enough to power the hospitals for um twenty four years you know mm-hmm. to fully power or, or to fully infrastructure or uh, the hospitals for the entire year even if you're not taking from gold even if you're just taking from a pay the one billion dollars that's lost every year to pay these these big top executives you know that would be enough to, to improve on the lives of that but you know these people they're extremely heartless they don't care they don't care that people they don't care that they, they're paying what you call it these these pensioners 60 dollars a month and sometimes these guys don't even get their pensions and these pensioners are dying because they can't afford they, they pay from um, health care again and I mean, they stole three point five billion dollars from this thing from Old Mutual, you know, Old Mutual pension fund. <laughs> you 
you know, just corruption, theft is like the highest form that they, they just, they live with this. And I try to explain to this person that you, you, you can't support, you can't support these guys. And it's not even just, and the thing about it is, it's not even just my, uh, my ex. Um, it's also like my best friends that joined this administration, joined this unpaid administration. Because remember how when you have a fiat-based system, everyone is trying to get the closest they can to the fiat, um, to, to the money printer, right? Mm-hmm. If you can get closest they can get to the money printer, then um, you are the person who benefits the most. Because for example, I remember when I, because I opened a gym, I built it myself. The one of my clients was talking about how because like you talked about how hey, if you want to, it's like, do you want to get a loan? I'm like, yeah. Like, well, if you want to get a loan, you can get a loan up to about a million RTG for a 12 year month, a 12 year, 12 year or 20 year time period. But you have to be part of the political party. I'm like, hey, <laughs> you see this. So wow, yeah. As a condition pre- for a loan. You won't, and then they'll give you a 12% interest. If you're not part of the political party, the interest payment is about 50%. So for assuming, let's, let's assume that you borrowed a $10,000 loan mm-hmm. um, at a 50% interest year, at a 50% interest, right? I believe after 20 years, you're paying back about like 100 grand. <laughs> yeah. Whoa. Whoa. Yeah. It's, so it's very, if you're, not, if you're not part of the political party, screw you. But if you are, you get a 12% interest in our TG, in the local currency. That's hyperinflating. That's inflating away. Mm-hmm. Um, so they print this money, they loan it to their friends, right? At the expense of the people. So, I mean, they print they print these millions of RTG, right? Diluting um, the account holders of RTG or the people who earn an RTG's wealth away to enrich themselves. And that's because like, every time you ask this person who joins on the PF, it's like, do you understand why this is wrong? It's like, well, I don't want to eat. Um, it's like, I want to eat the government's money. It's like, you know, the government's money is not the government's money. It's our money that they're printing either Either they, mm-hmm. they, they got anything or they got by taxation. Zimbabwe is one of the most highest tax um, country in Africa. You try to explain to these people, do you know how wrong you are by supporting this kind of regime? You know, and you try to, and then the worst part about also my, my ex was that she couldn't even understand that. She, I tried to explain Bitcoin to her and she wasn't even interested. And you're just thinking, yeah, um, so people aren't open to, to logic. They just, they just, and it's funny is that she's she's personally experienced our economy at its knees the economy just gone to the entire um shackles just going to shit you know 95 mm-hmm. percent the largest unemployment ever you know i mean america people complain when they're experiencing eight uh, percent unemployment oh my god it's eight percent unemployment it's always at 95 percent like almost the exact opposite 95 oh my gosh that Um, is so high i have never heard that figure in my life 95 percent unemployment jeez in your own perspective what is the bitcoin adoption rate in zimbabwe like is it fast is it slow um is there a bitcoin community in zimbabwe that is really pushing this cause like what is it like i believe it's a bit slow because remember um the cutoff from access to financial system. Mm-hmm. But I I do know a lot of people talking about Bitcoin these days. Everyone's talking. The problem is, okay, everyone's talking about Bitcoin. Like, I know so many of my friends, you know, if you just say Bitcoin, you're like, oh, I know Bitcoin. This is this. And um, the young youths are talking about Bitcoin. The old people, you know, old people need to catch on. <laughs> yeah. Um, what's also interesting is that my father um, owned Bitcoin even before me. 
But he owns he was he was actually posting Ethereum, which was like why? <laughs> <laughs> he was posting Ethereum. He was getting he was talking to my uncles about Ethereum and Bitcoin. And I even when I asked him, I was like, hey, why are you talking about Ethereum? Why don't you invest in Bitcoin? Because even like the first thing I did when I talked to him about cryptocurrencies was like, why don't you own Bitcoin? Like network effect. And he's like, well, Ethereum owns um there's about 800, 800 um Ethereum owns eight hundred Bitcoin under Ethereum. So if Bitcoin was Ethereum also when I'm like, yeah, <laughs> you need to talk about that. But anyway, um yeah, it, it is it is it is catching on. I do I do understand that a lot of people like whenever I talk to people about Bitcoin, they're like, yeah. Um, whenever I talk to youth, people who are in the financial sector or people who are um, investing in stuff, they do own Bitcoin, which is which is kind of impressive. There isn't a community, and I think that's one thing I really do want to work on, developing a proper um, community, because I know that when there's a public community and people actually um, promoting Bitcoin, adoption will really occur fast. Exactly. I remember when folks, in, yeah, I remember when folks um, became a big deal in South Africa and Zimbabwe was there were these big folks guys in South Africa who came and started to host these big conferences about folks to individual to Zimbabweans and everyone was just catching on. Yo, let's get on to folks. Everyone, my mom, my uncles, my friends, everyone was getting into folks. And then they lost money and <laughs> learned the hard way. But um, yeah, so if just adoption occurred, then it would be good enough. This whole conversation just gave me like a different perspective of what's happening and how powerful bitcoin can be especially in the country that is that has heavy sanctions high unemployment rate inflation total control of the country and economy by the government and you know it just makes me believe in bitcoin a lot more because bitcoin literally solves all these problems the only thing now is to increase the number of people who are adopting Bitcoin. And I'm so grateful that you came on the show too. And you're just, how you just said everything point blank, no sugar coating, just literally telling us exactly what's happening. And I believe that our audience who's listening to this right now will really benefit from the information here because let's face it, even though the inflation rate is not as high as it is in Zimbabwe. Inflation is going on everywhere in every country. Some get it really hard. <laughs> Some get it, you know, a little bit, but it's happening. Government control, it's happening in every country. Some, For some, it's like really serious. Some it's mild, but like it's happening. That's why it's so important for people who are listening to this podcast or who hear about bitcoin to join this train and start owning some bitcoin because whether you like it or not these are problems that happen all the time inflation unemployment centralized control it's just it's happening all the time so no matter which country you are in if you make the decision to own some bitcoin that's like the best decision you could ever make and you really just painted this clear picture right now like man i'm i'm speechless really but also grateful to know about this information right now like i know that in the past we we've discussed about what's happening in zimbabwe but like hearing it now in like such great detail um how even people have to sacrifice well i wouldn't want to use the word sacrifice but choose to follow the government routes because they want to be able to have access to to funds and have a better life you know being able to like 
be put under such a compulsion to choose the wrong way just because they want to survive, it's tough. And that's why Bitcoin gives you that freedom to make that decision. So imagine now, let's say, for example, we have like 100,000 people in Zimbabwe using Bitcoin on a daily basis, right? You have a shop, people could be like, hey, do you use, are you open to receiving um, money in Bitcoin? And they do the exchange via Bitcoin. And imagine something like that happening in Zimbabwe, the number of people, like their lives would literally change. They'll have mm-hmm. access to better living conditions. People will be getting jobs because of course, as trade incre- increases, there'll be need for hiring more people, increasing supply. And because the government will not be able to control something like Bitcoin, people will become unstoppable. And I really hope that those who listen to this will feel more encouraged. I hope this podcast goes as far as Zimbabwe (laughs) and um, encourage a lot of people to just jump on this train. You know, people ask me, um, did I ever shitcoin or altcoin? And I've never, you know, because um, being a Zimbabwean, being experienced, experienced, um, centralization at its highest form and being subject to what happens when um, when you give um, when you give a few individuals control over the monetary system a few a group of individuals you know they always have a have a what you call it have an incentive to dilute the purchasing power at the expense at your expense um, and so whenever I just see the word whenever I see any type of centralization whether see Ethereum or Dogecoin, or any just anything else, you know. Um, that's one thing I'm always trying to fight against. So decentralization is one of the most important things um, to me. You know, even if I like, you know, I wouldn't miss my entire life savings. Um, and like, you know, I even work with a with a with a podcast called um, Global Bitcoin Bitcoin Fest, and I would put all my hours in, you know, just making sure that the message of Bitcoin just gets gets out, and I don't give I lose everything. But the most important thing is that um, understanding that we we are actually at a war, economic war, and we do need to fight back um, against these systems that oppress us uh, financially. So um, it is very important that we keep um, keep fighting the good fight, and just don't, no matter whatever the temptation is, whether how much money you make um, in these altcoins or whatever or whatever job you have. Don't support these these decentralized systems because we've we've I mean look at the way where the world is right now. Look at Zimbabwe. Um, look at any other any, most look at it everywhere else. You know we're all experiencing inflation. We all can't afford the cost of basic basic cost of living. And we've done we've done this to ourselves. You know because even before there was Bitcoin, there was gold. You know um, I know gold is a bad is also very bad and can be centralized. But before that, people could have hedged and protected their wealth. And chosen not to use the gov- these, this government currency with with gold. They could have um, with, with the fiat currencies. They could have hedged with gold. But if we don't um, actively um, promote Bitcoin and um, approach this as you know it, if you if you if you promote these these centralized systems, whether it's altcoin or fiat currency or um, political party, you are making the world a worse off place. And we need to. We need to understand there are no contradictions. There is bad. And if you do support these bad things, you are complicit. And we, we don't want that. Let's try and make the world better. It's very, very So yeah, thank you for having me on the show. I really I'm gonna spread the show with everybody as well. And um 
if you watch other shows that you have I'm a big fan wow thank you so much and thank you for sharing your story thank you for keeping it real here um i i really appreciate you and um like i just love the fact that you're so passionate about bitcoin and you know keep keep up the good work thank you i mean i'm also a big fan like you're one of the few people that every day you have a bitcoin post and that's so so important because you're just spreading that you're spreading that um adoption forward and i mean even the systems you have the one dollar a day system that's very important you know because even for some people who can't afford it being just being able to spend one dollar every day does grow the network and it makes it more decentralized at the end of the day so thank you very much eh? Thank, thank you too I'm, I'm so grateful what an amazing episode hope you enjoyed it as much as we have subscribe to know when next we release a new episode drop a review let us know your thoughts about the podcast follow bitnob on twitter at bitnob underscore official that's at b-i-t-n-o-b underscore o-f-f-i-c-i-a-l see you in the next episode